All right, here we are again, another week, another podcast. Uh, this week we have joining us is Abby Brummel, a seventh grade teacher, and Alex's sister out of Grand Island, uh, Nebraska. And also joining us uh, is Mike Metters, and I'll let Alex do the introduction on him since he knows him better than I do. I was going to say Dr. Mike Metters, that is to you, <laughs> buddy. All right, yeah. Uh, Wade's dad, who was our guest a couple weeks ago, um, and is a doctor, very distinguished doctor, might I add, and uh, going to be giving us some facts about the coronavirus and the vaccine and whatnot. So here we are, coming, coming to you live from a hotel in downtown Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> while we're staycationing in the frigid cold temperatures of negative eight degrees right you guys it's here in omaha nebraska it's strange for me because i live a lot farther north than all of you guys and i'm not really getting any of this arctic blast and places that you know normally aren't too bad during the winter are just getting like tundra like conditions so i'm kind of glad i'm not back home well let me tell you it's an arctic blast all right it's a blast of arctic it's not fun for anybody. <laughs> not fun for anybody. Very cold. I have to disagree with you a little bit. I had my Siberian Husky out earlier in the snow, and she thought it was great. I bet, yeah, I bet she loved it. My parents have a great Pyrenees, and that thing hasn't wanted to come inside like all day. And they live in Arkansas, <laughs> and it's been mad cold for them. So My dog won't go outside. She goes, and she's like, oh, not doing this. Uh, so, so funny story before we got started, I had to uh, sneak my dog in here last night um, because oh apparently it's service animals only, and I didn't know that. I thought it was just animals, and I smuggled my dog in my coat last night. <laughs> like I was doing a bank heist or something, <laughs> and then we went to dinner for a couple hours last night, and we got back, and uh, the girl is knocking on our door. She's like, uh, some of your neighbors are reporting that like a dog is barking in your room. I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no dogs in here. And she was just starting to walk away like, okay, I'm sorry. And then Charles from the bathroom goes, Roop. no, <laughs> she goes, are you sure there's not a dog in there? I'm like, nope, <laughs> no dogs in here. No, no, where you heard that from crazy. <laughs> so then we had to. Then we had a driver to five year old. Yeah, we had a driver to Marion Hugo's house last mm -hmm. night. So anyway, that's that. Gotcha. Well, this week we're going to be talking, like Alex said, about uh, COVID, the vaccine, and the vaccines that are starting to roll out. Um, we have brought in a medical expert for a talk about that, and that is we're also going to try and tie that in and talk about how that's going to affect education and schools moving forward, which is why we brought in yeah, another expert <laughs> who has first-hand experience with all that stuff. So um, I think we're just going to we're just going to start, and we'll start by, um, I guess, getting Dr. Metter's thoughts on the vaccine and what he's seen um, as its development has happened and, and now its, it's rollout uh, as, it, as it starts to get rolled out to people. Well, I think you have to think about the COVID virus in general. You know, it's a, it's a lot like the flu virus. It's just more highly transmissible. That's the, the thing about it. So, and, and the death rate's higher. But I think 
a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's a new vac- uh, new virus that we've never seen, and and most likely it's been manipulated by human hands. That's probably a, a pretty likely assumption, even though they're denying all that. Um, there's been about 109 million cases worldwide. So um, there's still about 26 million active cases worldwide. Uh, there's been 84 million cases that are closed. So about 81.6 million people have recovered. There's been about 2.4 million deaths. That's a lot of people worldwide. In the U.S., that number is about a half a million deaths with about 28 million total cases. About 18 million have totally recovered. There's about 9.5 million still active cases. And of those 9.5 million active cases, there's only about 19,000 that are serious right now, serious or considered serious or critical. So what that means is that we've, we've attained the ability to treat it. So right. now, in the beginning, when you got it, it was, for a lot of people, it was a death sentence if they were older. Now, not so much so. There's treatment, and that's what needed to be done. You need to develop um, therapeutic treatment that would be able to combat the virus, you know, if you had to go to the hospital or if you were staying home and trying to take care of it yourself. There needed to be some type of vitamin regimen or some type of prescription medications that you could take, and that's pretty much what's happened. So the, the one thing that nobody seems to want to say is this virus is not going away. Right. The vaccine's not going to make it go away. The vaccine's going to be like the flu shot that you get every year if you get one so that you and hope that you don't get the flu. The vaccine's going to be the same way. This virus is here to stay. It's not going anywhere, and it's probably going to mutate. There's, you know, 40 different mutations of the flu virus. There's no, and the flu virus is a COVID virus, just right. like this one. There's no reason to believe that it's going anywhere. There's no reason to believe that it's not going to mutate, you know, whatever, 30 or 40 times. There's no reason not to believe that. And it's going to, you know, be around every year and it's going to take a toll on people every year. The flu still does. I think if I'm not mistaken, there was like 10 million possible cases of the flu virus last year. Um, About... I don't know, I don't remember the number right off the top of my head, but I think it was probably about 14, pe- 14 million people went to, you know, for a medical visit. There was about almost 600,000 um, hospitalizations and about 51,000 deaths. So that's so, that's the flu. Right. So, Mike, Mike, you're saying now that Trump isn't in office, that the virus isn't just going to magically go away? Is that uh, is that what I'm hearing from you? I, you know, I hope <laughs> I, I hope Mr. Joe B can can do that, but I don't think so. he's going to cure this in cancer. I'm I'm hoping he has that ability. That'd be awesome. But I don't really think we're going to see that. The second coming of Jesus, if he could do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the deal is, is you have to figure out a way to treat it and mitigate it. And, and it, like for instance, you know that. In younger people, it's not too bad. It actually only gets up to a 1% death rate after you get past the age of 64. So 65 and up is is about 1% of the cases are gonna die from it. Uh, when you get to over 80, it's 8%. However, that 8% is, a, is an average or a mean. And actually for men, it's almost 11%. And for women, it's only about 6%, which should tell you that they are not only smarter than us, but they 
A little bit more resilient. I get a big way. You always have. We're superior. Absolutely, you are. Anybody who wants to, you know, argue about that, they can argue with me about it. I'll tell you 100%. You guys are way better than us, you know. Way better. Smarter. Reproduce. You mature at 16. Men never mature. You know, so. This is true. This is very true. Right. Yep. I mean, <laughs> y'all get it sick and just keep on trucking. I get sick, which is rarely ever, and I'm down and out in bed moaning and crying. So it's called a man cold. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and one of the interesting points that you already referenced is um, the fact that there there is a lot of traceable evidence within this virus that would suggest that it was done in a lab setting that happened to eke out um, due to improper um, protocols being filed, followed within that lab setting. Although the World Health Organization has now come in and told us, no, don't worry about it. It didn't sneak out of that virus or the virus didn't sneak out of that lab in Wuhan. Um, it, it probably came from wet markets or from an animal, although that same lab in Wuhan that was testing coronavirus samples um, had already been cited for improper following of protocols that should have kept us from a situation like this. Basically just um, gross negligence. But yeah, exactly. I, I, I do want our followers to get a doctor's perspective of of the uh, the characteristics of this virus that seem to imply that it didn't just come from a wet market in bats in Wuhan, that it probably did sneak out of uh, a facility that was testing this virus that was not following proper protocol. So any insight that you have on that, Mike, would be... Um, would be valuable yeah there's three different labs there in wuhan that that does virology research and um most likely they do work on biologicals there the chinese will never admit that of course and and they just recently the the who just recently said now they think it might have come over to china from australia in some frozen foods which of course a, a load of horseshit. If I, I was about to say, I've <laughs> lived there. My dad's full-blooded Australian, and he'll fight somebody over that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't. You know, it's it's the fact that the antibodies are only supposed to last for ninety days kind of indicates that might be it might have been manipulated a little bit, and so that it could be used as a biological, so you wouldn't have sustained immunity to it once you got it. Um, so that that has a lot to do with it, I think. It's not unusual that it attacks the lungs or it attacks the red blood cells or even some, uh, obviously it attacks some nervous tissue or you wouldn't lose your sense of smell or your sense of taste. Those two things come from uh, the cranial nerves that come straight out of the brain and go to those areas uh, of the body that, that are responsible for those senses, those functions. So. That's that's not unusual, but the fact that the antibodies will only last for 90 days is kind of an indication that somebody might have messed with it just a little bit because you don't see that. I mean, that's a pretty rare instance right there. Yeah. Usually, 
when your body produces antibodies to fight something, you have them for a while. Like even if you get the, and I know Abby, you probably know that the kids all have to come to school with the MMR vaccine. And they're saying that, that maybe the, the fact that they're getting the MMR vaccine is why you don't see it in a lot of young kids is because that's, those antibodies are actually helping fight virus, the virus also. That's kind of a theory that somebody's come up with. And you see that in a lot of healthcare workers that they have to take that vaccine before they can go to work in a healthcare setting. And so they may be showing some resistance to it also. So, but you, you only have to take that, that vaccine like every five to seven years because the antibodies last for a long time. Right. Well, some antibodies last all your life. Not all of them do. But, but uh, so I think only 90 days, that's a pretty short amount of time. So that, that paired with the idea that um, the, the strongest argument that I've heard that this was probably formed in a lab um, is that the, the fact that the virus, when it genetically mutates, um, it can't withstand UV light. Um, a, a, a virus's job is to mutate and find ways to survive within normal constructs and situations. So to say that a, a virus is just 100% not able to function under UV light would also suggest that this was done inside. Um, you, you know, it, it can't be a situation where this virus has mutated under something such as sunlight and now in a situation where it's exposed to sunlight it cannot function anymore um it it, it would seem to me that that would suggest that this was done perhaps inside um that that's another very strong argument that i've heard and, and not that viruses are not susceptible to being eliminated under UV light because that's another known fact as well. But it, it seems to me as if the stars kind of start lining up to where it kind of seems like this was done inside. Yeah, I, I don't think, I, I mean, I think that's easy to agree with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I, there's no reason not to think that considering the, that those laboratories are used to to manufacture biologicals and that the, the interesting thing to me about it of course that's i guess the the flu virus is a little bit like this also but it, it's so deadly for older people and you know not so much for the younger people and the, the chinese have always been fussy about their overpopulation even to a point where they were limited to birth <laughs> children maybe they decide you know what uh, we really don't need all these old people you know we could get rid of them all over the world if we just cut this loose <laughs> i mean you know forget the spread of red communism they're gonna yeah, just yeah. spread coronavirus <laughs> you know so i mean i don't know it just it, when i thought about it at first i thought maybe this is what they had on their mind you know they got a bunch of old people over there and you know italy the reason italy got hit so hard is because italy has an older population yeah and, and they have a huge chinese population also who went back over to italy to make sure they got it good and spread around cat stop my dog <laughs> she's like wanting attention she wants to get in on that <laughs> Well, and uh, the population of smokers in Italy 
is uh, yeah very high. so i mean i mean italy likes to drink wine and eat pasta and smoke cigarettes you know well, they also um, when they kiss they kiss on the cheek you know that's like their way both of cheeks yeah uh, yeah they, that's their way of saying hello and goodbye so that's a whole nother reason of you know transmitting their yeah i i found it very interesting when you start looking at stats um new york is another um very highly densely populated area of smokers and they're all stacked on top of each other there's a lot of concrete not a lot of trees around you know and when you start looking at italy's population not only age-wise but um the percentage of people that smoke and that don't have the best diets in the world um they got hammered you know because when you already don't have the most healthy lifestyle that's available and then you get a virus that is compounded your health because you're a smoker or whatever the case may be um that's not going to be a very good day for you you know you're not already living the best lifestyle yeah we've already seen that pre-existing conditions are are one of the worst, you know, things you can have. Even mm -hmm. for younger people, there's been 25 year olds that have died that are had pre-existing conditions. Whether it was something as simple as asthma, or or they were diabetic, or right. overweight, or you know, any number of things. And and so even younger people, which have such a a low percentage chance rate that of dying from it, have died just because of the pre-existing conditions. So, yeah. Well, in uh, Mike, our hometown where, so for those of you at home, Mike uh, coached my baseball teams growing up, Wade's dad. Wade and I have been uh, friends since, no. I don't even remember, sixth, <laughs> seventh, fifth grade. I don't even remember when back in there. Um, but um, not to be stereotypical, but that hometown that I grew up in is, uh, they were on the, uh, top 100 un, most unhealthy cities and they were like number one or two they were or number three. one number yeah one. i think they were number one uh, it was number one i there, remember reading that <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of rice and beans and um flour tortillas you know and mm -hmm. that, again that's not being stereotypical that's just facts it's just the demographic um, of the they, area yeah they got mm -hmm. hammered you know because they're already an unhealthy population already an obese population and now when you give them a sickness that that preys on unhealthy people you're going to have a higher uh, fatality rate i mean that that's just the way that it is you know uh, unfortunately so so Megan, um, our friend that we've known since I've known since kindergarten, you know, since I was in high school, she's still down there in, in the valley. And uh, it took a little bit to hit them at first. And then uh, once it hit, it hasn't stopped. It still to this day is not it's considered still a hotspot. You know, most places are, are coming out of it and are you know getting back to normal, but they still are very bad down there and she uh she won't go anywhere she won't travel or anything because she's so scared and it's still just it's really bad down there so well and you have a lot of people still coming you know that's right on the border and you got people coming across the border a lot now they weren't before yep. so much but they yeah. really are now so that has a lot to do with yeah it. i mean you got you got citizens all over the country locked in their houses because you don't want them out 
visiting grandma and stuff like that. And then you got thousands of people coming through the southern border that aren't getting tested. They're just, you know, just getting released into the general population. And I mean, I, I assume that the expectation is that they lock down also in places, but it, before they get to that spot, they have to come in contact with people. And, you know, you don't know what, what we, we've always had problems with them bringing a lot of different things across the border, um, even things that hadn't been a problem in the United States. Um, so tuberculosis is one of the things that they was yeah. coming across quite a bit. That was a high amount of uh, TB coming through. Right. Uh, I've got a question in, in the chat here. It says, so a 1% death rate for people younger than 65 and an 8% death rate for anybody over 65 doesn't sound like a big deal with no context. Uh, we know Corona is a big deal. Uh, so how can those death rates be put into a context that a less educated person can see that it's a big deal? Uh, well, and, and that's, uh, that's, about what it is, that's where it, it passes the threshold. Like what I'd said is up to the age of 64, after you get past 64, it goes up to 1%. But when you're talking about like, you know, a newborn to, to uh, a four-year-old, then it's like three, three tenths of a thousand percent. And then when you talk about somebody that's five to nine, a child that's in elementary school, that's actually only about 1,000th of a percent. So it's real low. And, and so different age groups have uh, a different rate and it goes progressively up. It only crosses the 1% mark when you get past 64 was kind of what I was trying to get across. But I mean, I guess you look at, if you look at um, that there's been, you know, 28 million total cases and you looked at it as 1%, but that's actually not, that's what they're saying the rate, the death rate is based on different ages but like for instance when we talked about you know the 28 million total cases and and uh, in the u.s and 500,000 deaths that's actually 0.2 percent overall so it's not it's not an even one percentage point it's 0.2 percent um, so it's very very low but i think probably in the beginning it started out fairly high because nobody knew what to do with it and and i know and i'm not a fan of dr Fauci because he's a he's a pharmaceutical lap dog and he always has been. Um, <laughs> who, who's gonna That's like, a pharmaceutical <laughs> lap dog is a fantastic <laughs> term that I will absolutely be using going forward. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can take credit for it if you want. I'll <laughs> copyright. I'll CC Mike <laughs> Metters. <laughs> Probably not. No, I don't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> you said that one's all you, Alex. I don't want. Don't put my name on that one. But, well, I've got I've got evidence now that that's not my words. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but but I mean, in in all fairness to him, you're talking about something that nobody had ever seen. Right. I mean, I'm exactly I, I turned 65 in December and I've never seen anything like this anywhere in the United States. We've never had this. We've never walked around with masks on. You know, we've never had a virus like this. We've never tried to destroy our own economy because we were afraid people were going to get sick. Um, yeah, I understood the the initial thing of, OK, let's not overwhelm the, the healthcare system and all that kind of stuff. That was probably pretty smart. 
So the whatever 15 days or even 30 days of it in the beginning was probably, but once you figured out that you had a therapeutic that you could use to take care of people, then at that point, um, you almost have to open everything up and there's, the virus is not going anywhere. Right. I, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. And it may kill me before it's over with and probably will after I say this, but everybody's probably going to get it at yeah, some point. At some time. point. At some point in time. My hope is that you don't get it twice or three times or four times, but most likely everybody's going to get it at some point. So your resistance to it is going to be whatever your resistance to it is. So I, I don't think Sweden was wrong by just letting it run through the population and then try to reach herd immunity as quickly as they could, and they did well with it. That doesn't mean that the United States with 330 million people would have had the same luck because it's, you know, maybe some of it is luck, but, but every, you're not going to be able to hide in the house forever. It's just that simple. I mean, you're going to get it. You're, you, you almost need to roll the dice and see how you're going to do. I mean, I, right. I may be cold and somebody probably want to hit me in the head for saying that, but nevertheless, I think that's probably the... Well, and that's where, that's where I was with it. I, I understood in the beginning, not overwhelming the hospitals and everything with it, but, you know, like you said, once you figured out that there was a way to at least mitigated a little bit we should have just let it ride and i was i was of the the opinion the whole time just let it ride if you need you know wear a mask and do all that stuff like they said but just just let it ride your body will fight it however it's going to fight it and and there's medicine available if you need it um and just move forward because you know what it did for you know everything that it did for small businesses and and the like as we shut down and everything there's been just I think at least up here in Jersey, the last thing that I heard, I think like at least 20% of small businesses that shut down up here due to COVID aren't reopening because they can't, they got that shut them down and it shut them down forever. And they had no way to financially recover from it. So my, I, I, you know, my thing was, you know, let it, just let it ride. You know, we've let, you know, let a lot of it ride, you know, each year as different flu strains run through, like, for me personally, I hadn't had a flu shot in years until I was in the military, and then they made it mandatory. And so I have to get a flu shot every year. Actually, I didn't get mine this year. Shh, don't tell them. Um, <laughs> but up until you know 2016, I hadn't had a flu shot for for years, and I just I was fine. Walked around, no mask, nothing. You know, if I got sick, I got sick. I took care of it, and it was like you know a horrible week, week and a half. If I got sick, but other than that, I was good. So. I don't know. When... Well, Go ahead. Sorry, Ben. I was just going to say, um, it's it's very interesting that you have places like L.A. who are shutting down outdoor dining. And I know I've talked about this before. I apologize if you're a constant listener. Thank you for listening all the time. Um, but like L.A., outdoor dining, you can go outside and have a meal, um, but there can't be a TV on while you're eating outside in L.A. because they want to... Um, discourage people gathering to watch sporting events outside and there is no physical evidence to suggest that the virus can spread outside there's no physical evidence to suggest that outdoor dining contributes to the spread of the virus yet they're still taking these draconian measures and saying okay well um, you can eat outside, but you can't be watching a TV 
while you eat outside. Well, and Alex, it, don't it, you know that it's, it, it travels through the TV waves, right? You know, it comes from yes. the TV and it infects yes. you through the TV. The same way just, that, that, that you know, if there's food on the table, the <laughs> coronavirus is like, ah, they're eating, I'll leave them alone. But if there's just a beer, <laughs> it's, it's open season. Well, I'm sure our resident doctor, I'm sure our resident doctor on staff while we're having this conversation can educate us on how coronavirus spreads through TV particles um, while you're watching something like the Super Bowl. So, yeah. Also, uh, if you're standing up, uh, it doesn't affect you uh, or it does affect you. Sorry. But if you're sitting down, like students sit in a pot of four uh, and they're only, you know, a foot apart, two feet apart, maybe. Uh, when they're sitting, it's fine, but as soon as they stand up, they have to spread out. So standing also through the static and the TV. Yeah, when just just from what I've seen so far, you know, because you look at things and try to get an idea of what's the best thing to do. And so, so far, what I've seen is probably the best thing for you to do is carry around a Molotov cocktail because evidently <laughs> when you throw those, you don't have to worry about it. So very possibly that may be the thing that you have to hang around your neck. Molotovs, frozen water bottles, loose loose shoes, um, umbrellas. As long as you have some some way armed yourself for a riot, you're fine. Coronavirus will not attack you. That may have that may help a little bit. I don't don't take that as advice, you know, for medical advice. But uh, for for medical and political for medical and political reasons, Twitch and YouTube, that was a joke. A joke, yeah, guys. For the record, we do not condone carrying around Molotov cocktails. Absolutely, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, it was a joke, boys and girls. <laughs> Be your yes. if you can. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Uh, so, given that little bit of background and insight from uh, Dr. Meadows here, uh, I want to transition a little bit and talk. And, and get Ab- Abby's perspective on how coronavirus has affected education through her, you know, her her past her school year this past year, um, and then you know what I guess the the future looks like with vaccines coming out and and at least for your district what what I don't know how bad your district is but what what they've got planned I guess. <laughs> so as far as uh, the vaccine goes, um, it is available to staff. Uh, we had to take a survey to see if we wanted to do it or not. Um, and it's available to us soon. They keep, they, they don't know an exact date, but they just keep saying soon. Um, so it wasn't mandatory. Um, it was a voluntary thing and uh, it's available to anybody on staff certified or classified. And um, it's going to, I guess, uh, I don't know what it's going to do besides give us a vaccine. They haven't really said much about, you know, if it's going to roll into next year or if the students are going to be able to get it or what it's really going to tell us besides uh, they just wanted to offer it to us. Well, one thing that uh, we talked to Spike Cohen about actually, and he gave us some numbers on the suicide rates among um, teens is it's up over a hundred percent. Um, suicide rates within teens is up over a hundred percent, and and that's something that we've we've never seen before. I mean, the the rates were already high, but you're you're now seeing these kids who have been disconnected from their peers. Uh, maybe some of them only have one, two, three friends. I was one of those kids. 
um, Wade was one of my five friends, you know, um, when I was in high school in those early formative years. And if you would have separated me from those friends um, at the, in those formative years, I would have been a depressed guy. I mean, I'm a guy that's already diagnosed with depression. Um, and that was certainly going on when I was in high school, whether or not it was diagnosed or not. Um, but you, you start separating these kids from their so, the, the social constructs of their life. And that has implications, you know, that, that has lasting implications. And Mike already gave us numbers on the, the death rates among kids in their early years. And it's very, very, very low. And, and I understand we want to protect these kids' grandparents, great-grandparents, parents, you know, whatever that looks like. But at the same time, we, we have to get these kids back into a setting that resembles some sort of normalcy. And when they're not in that setting, you, you're setting them up for a very lonely, isolated life that will only do things like fuel the 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 suicide rates i'll tell you right now when we went so my school district we started in august and we had 75 percent in class and the rest were online um they opted to be online uh you know parents decided or the kids decided whatever uh but i'm going to tell you right now that six months that they did not get education or to be around each other was so detrimental these students came in and they were, I've never seen a class as uh, just unruly as this class is. Um, and, you know, it took a long time for them to get back to normal, just even in the swing of the, of the you know, day of school, uh, you know, getting up early and getting back into school and, and learning. Um, they missed out on, uh, we take what's called the MAP test, um, and it's a state test. And uh, they, they miss out on the last half of the year with that, you know, after March, um, they usually take it somewhere around April um, and they miss out on that. So um, six months of not learning, six months of not being around each other. I've, I've never seen it be so crazy in a classroom before. Um, but the students that I have, they've told me that, you know, that six months of being alone was one of the hardest things that they've ever had to do. These guys, I teach seventh grade. These, these kids have had to mature so much um, because they've, you know, been through a huge traumatic event and they're coming in saying that, you know, they didn't get to be around friends for, for six months. That's, I, I mean, I'm 29 and I wasn't around my friends for a while, you know, luckily I got to be around family, but I can't imagine not being around friends when I'm in seventh grade that I couldn't even, you know, I mean, they have social media. Yeah. They have Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter and all that. It's not the same. Um, but it's not the same. No, it's not the same. And what I've seen from these kids is they're, they're pretty resilient. You know, they, they came in, um, they, and they came in unruly, but you know, what, what can we expect when they didn't have, you know, really anybody looking out for them for the last six months? Cause some of these kids rely on us, you know, teachers to kind of be their, their parents. A lot of these kids don't have that support at home. So, um, especially the, the school district that I work in, it's a fairly Hispanic district um, and it's a lower income school. So a lot of these students really had it pretty bad during that six months um, of, of being out of school. So um, 
we, we see a lot of them, you know, gathering in the hallways, trying to reconnect with their old friends and hearing their stories is pretty interesting. Um, they, they tried to meet up during quarantine and either couldn't or, you know, those who had parents that were at home were said no. So um, they get really excited when their parents let them have sleepovers now. That's like a, a big thing, <laughs> you know, but it is still it's, it's nerve wracking because um, at the beginning of the year we had. Oh, gosh, I'm going to say probably roughly around uh, like six or seven out at, at, you know, intervals of two weeks. Um, and we tried to have sports and they shut sports down. Um, and then one kid would spend the night at another kid's house because they thought it was fine. And then they'd all have to quarantine. So uh, they tried their damnedest to get all together. And um, it was tough at the beginning. It's changed a lot now, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit. But um, it's, it's changed a lot, but at the beginning of the year, it was, it was tough. Yeah. Very I mean, tough. I couldn't imagine. I'm a pretty extroverted person. Well, I, I guess I used to be not so much now, but, um, you know, as a kid, <laughs> if I had to, if I had to, to go through what these kids have gone through now, I can, I can completely understand why, um, they were super unruly. Cause I used to get the same way. And after not seeing my friends you know for a weekend or if one of them missed a few days at school and they came back like it was like oh snap he's back like we like used to go crazy so i can't imagine like how it is now you know when they all came back to school and finally got to see their friends and the horror stories that i've actually read online of kids that did commit suicide even over like the littlest things i saw one video um from a parent who you know Kids been quarantined. It actually happened over the summer break, so the you know, school got shut down when it all happened. So he, the the kid had, you know, he was doing online school, and then you know he was playing with his friends. Like he was like playing Fortnite or something with his friends. Um, but his anger got his. He, I guess he had underlying anger issues, maybe, and they got exacerbated during this because he couldn't go out and hang with his friends or anything. So you know he would get angry, and I think he ended up smashing like his computer monitor in a fit of anger one day. Uh, it was like a brand new one. His dad had got him. Um, so they got ended up getting him another one. And, you know, he got angry again at the game and, and smashed it. And, and, you know, not being able to, like, see his friends and that, that angst of being home, he got so scared that, you know, his dad was going to be so mad at him for, you know, breaking another monitor or TV wow. that, you know, he, the kid ended up committing suicide um, over the whole thing. And it was just really traumatic for, you know, obviously his little sister who found him and then his dad as they tried to, like, resuscitate him and everything. Um, but you know, the dad's, you know, after telling that, the dad was like, you know, a big part of the reason that he feels his son ended up doing that was because he could not go out and actually physically connect with his friends. Um, and like that, and then for kids, you know, we've said this before on here, it's a, it's a big deal for kids growing up to have that social interaction and not be stuck behind a computer screen for hours on end. Um, because those, you know, kids need that type of, uh, interaction with each other. Um, mm-hmm. in order to, to grow as people and and to, to feel whole all together. Well, well, look at the statistics that the social dilemma points out. Right, um, that's what I was the, talking about. Yeah, the, the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, that, that really points out the fact that kids are consistently chasing that instant feedback on social media these days. They, they post something and they might get 50 likes, but if their friend is getting 150 likes, they mm-hmm. feel insignificant. 
they they feel like they are not getting the same attention or the same feedback that their friends are getting and 50 likes be damned i'm not getting 150 likes so why am i not getting the same attention that other people in my class are getting and and we we see in an age where we start to literally physically separate these children from their peers and it, it's not the same as us sitting around and us all talking and you giving me that instant feedback of yeah man i know what you're talking about yeah i'm going through that as well now we're in an age of where yeah you can connect via snapchat and yeah you can connect via instagram or whatever the case may be but but you're giving them a a, a, a spectrum which is not attainable you know you're, you're giving them a goal that is not attainable because some of them simply don't have the amount of followers or the amount of friends or quote-unquote influencers or whatever and and they feel like lesser of a person and when you give them that instant feedback from a physical perspective to where someone is sitting there saying yeah i know what you're going through yeah i know how you're feeling you're it's you're it's a different ball game you know it's a completely different ball game to where kids feel like they're not getting the amount of affection or the amount of uh feedback or I don't know what the right word is, but they're they're still craving more. They're craving right. that 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 physical interaction. They're craving that person sitting in front of them saying, "Hey, I know how you feel. I'm going through it too." And you can send that on a text or on a Snapchat or on an Instagram message or whatever, but it's not the same as someone sitting in front of you saying, "I get it. I'm going through it also." Right. It's right. that quality of time and, and words of affirmation. It's like, it go, kind of like goes into love languages. Like, you know, people crave to be in front of each other. People crave to be, you know, in a room with each other. That's that's just how human nature goes. Um, and these kids, you know, and, and Dr. Matters, you can attest to this, but these kids, especially in the seventh grade, they use their amygdalas, you know, to function. It's that part of the brain that is all just about emotion and that's all that they really know is they're using their amygdalas to, to function. Uh, they're not using their prefrontal cortex. As I always tell my kids, you're using your amygdala is not your PFC. And that's why you're so crazy right now is because you're using your amygdala. And uh, they, you know, when they're in the classroom, they're, they're getting that uh, the firing that they need of the emotions and the, of everything. They're, like what I was saying, they're getting that feedback from, from people, you know, um, and uh, we've actually had to um, teach suicide awareness, um, not in you know our, our normal classes, but we have like kind of like a homeroom class. Um, and it is our duty as teachers now to uh, teach these uh, emotional, social connection to these kids. Um, and I think it's pretty much every once every trimester we, we try to touch on the suicide awareness and. Um, we have to send out emails to home saying, you know, this is a triggering thing for kids that we think it's really important for them to sit around and listen. Um, and, you know, as a 29 year old who also suffers from depression and anxiety, teaching this to, to kids is uh, it's really 
scary, but also really cool um, to be able to kind of mold the minds of, of kids and show them like, hey, you know, we're all here for each other and it's okay to feel the things that you're feeling and to be aware of those things too is it's it's pretty cool but also just like i said pretty terrifying because i'm i'm in control of a lot of things i never thought i'd be um and that's i think kind of directly goes back to the state of the world that we're in and and how COVID is really kind of pushing a lot on us right we got a couple questions uh for you abby out of the chat. Uh, the first one is, how do your kids feel about online school, which kind of ties into what we've been talking about? And another one, which is kind of interesting, and I hadn't thought about this in a school setting, was, have you seen any increase in problems with food insecurity since COVID? Yeah. Did you say food insecurities? Insecurities, yeah. Um, I'll start with the uh, virtual. So, um i have i think 20 students on virtual right now so i have uh anywhere from 24 to 22 in my other classes um but then 20 online and uh there's three or four that have to do virtual because of of medical conditions um and those kids are are okay being home the rest, either it was a parent decision for, you know, whatever their reasons being, um, or the kids, you know, wanted to stay home and be in their PJs all day. <laughs> um, but those kids that are on virtual, um, I get mi- mixed feedback. There's some that like it, some that don't, um, some that don't even show up or just have their cameras and all I can see is this of their, <laughs> of their screen. Um and uh, the ones that I do hear from, they they enjoy, and I'm going to be a little uh, prideful here, but they enjoy my class because I we have to make it fun. I have to make it fun because sitting there for an hour, we have block scheduling. So for an hour and a half, sitting on a virtual with 20 kids, you know, half of which aren't even there, um, we have to make it fun. So those kids, they will they rave about my class. This is the best class of the day. I love this class so much. Um, but the other half, they aren't doing well they're they're not showing up they're not doing their work they don't care so um i don't know if that's a testament to school in general or if it's just those kids are lacking uh the motivation to even show up to anything anymore i feel you know, they kind of see it sorry go ahead go finish ahead. i was gonna say i feel uh, I'm... <laughs> go ahead. i feel on that part i can relate to the kids on that part because um for me uh, i think this probably goes a little bit with my like undiagnosed like add or whatever uh if i'm not interested in something or somebody's not making something fun or if i have to sit on a computer for that long i'm gonna lose interest and motivation to be there like real fast and so (laughs) yeah so like i i i can understand where (laughs) where those kids are coming from on that point because i was that like that in college even for the classes i had to take for my major so if i got Mm -hmm. into a class and i was just like "Mm, nope this is super dry this teacher is not making this fun i don't care i tuned out and but you know thing about college is you can have your laptop in there i was just like all right cool cool story bro and i was like doing other stuff so i can i can see where those kids are coming from on that part so i can i that that does, you know, that will make your job a lot harder trying to keep a bunch, you know, 20 virtual kids entertained and the 10 of which, which are like, ah, right, cool story, Miss Burma, but like, nah. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. It's a, uh, you know, it's, it's, 
it's been uh, interesting to see with um, with grades and they still have to take that math test as well. Um, so just to see the dynamic between what they're actually learning if they're there and the kids that aren't there, um, they're, the, I will say the kids that are there and actually, you know, attending class and all that, uh, they are doing pretty well. Those math scores showed me it wasn't just me, you know, being like, I'm going to grade this paper really well because they're on virtual and I don't know what they're retaining, but their math scores are showing that they're actually learning stuff. So there is something to say about virtual school. Well, and, and it's, it's very similar to adults in the sense that when you take their, their profession, because children, that's their profession is to go to school Mm -hmm. And you take that sense of meaning away from them and you give them the flexibility to say, you know what, Um, I'm not going to work today, you know, quote unquote work. I'm going to just piss off and play Xbox or PS5 or whatever it is away. You take that, you, you give them the flexibility because they are children to take away that meaning of their day and and they don't have a sense of purpose they don't have a sense of of bettering themselves every day and if you give me a 31 year old the opportunity to piss off all day and not work guess what i'm gonna do i'm gonna piss off all day and not work and now you're giving well, let me a tell thir- you now you're giving a 13 year old that same old. ability yeah you're giving a 12 or 13 year old that same ability. And of course that's the route that they're going to take. And at the end of the day, they're going to feel like shit about it because they're not bettering themselves. They're not getting anywhere with their lives, but you're, you're almost creating the, the issue within itself before you ever create the issue. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, right. it, it, it's, it's insane. It's insanity to me. I don't understand. Well, it. and it goes- I, it goes back to the fact that they're using their amygdalas there. It's that's not a brain. That is literally a part of the brain that only functions with emotions and they don't know any better. And if they don't exactly. have a parent at home saying, stay on your zoom, do your work. They're literally, they're miniature adults at that point. Right. They get to decide what to do and how can we, how can you expect a 13, 12, 13 year old, to say, oh, I'm going to show up to class today on time and I'm going to do my work and, and I'm going to pay attention. When we have Zoom trainings, you know what I'm doing? I'm doing, I'm sitting back going, when is this over? I don't want to be here anymore. Like exactly. I'm almost 30 and I'm doing that myself. Just like you said, if I have a chance to piss off all day, I'm just going to sit around and do nothing. And when we have Zooms uh, for our training stuff, I, I mean, I'll, we'll be texting back and forth. I hope my boss isn't watching this, but we'll be texting back and forth going, oh my God, they just talked about this for two hours. How much more do we need to hear? Like, this is so annoying. And you know, the breaks are like five minute long when we're like, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to get more coffee. I got to let my dog out, you know, and these kids are at home. Some of these kids are at home with their, with their siblings too. I have one student who literally has a three-year-old sister that she is taking care of. And if she doesn't show up on time or something, it's probably because the three-year-old needed her, you know, she had to go to the bathroom or she had her diaper was full or whatever. And it, it breaks my heart to see those kids that are, are just so overwhelmed with what their expectations are. I, I don't, I mean, I'm glad they were able to zoom in. I'm glad that that's a choice that they had, but the reality is that it is not suitable. 
It is mm -hmm. not an option that students should have, uh, especially, and I, I'm, like I said, I'm not saying anything against my school district, but the fact that they said, hey, here's a choice. Do you want to do this or not? What do you think? I mean, 25% were like, yes, I'm going to stay home all day. That's cool. We're not going to get on Zoom all day and we're not going to go to school. Some of them were like, you know, like I said, there's about three or four that have to because they have medical issues. But what I mean, they're 13, 12 year olds. They're going to say, yeah, mom, I don't want to go to school. Let's stay home. My mom's going to say, cool, I don't have to drop you off at school. I don't have to deal with the bus. Awesome. Stay home. Right. And then that parent doesn't get home till six o'clock. And by that time, the kid's homework's not done and it's a mess. Right. Um, I want to touch, I want to have you talk about that food insecurities question, Abby. And then I think we're going to touch back in uh, with Dr. Meadows and get some more of his thoughts about, you know, everything that we've talked about right now. Uh, so food insecurities, uh, I, I've seen it. I don't think it has to deal with, you know, COVID necessarily, but speaking as a teacher that has had a couple different classes in the last couple of years, um, I have seen more than I ever thought um, of students that have eating disorders, uh, students that, you know, um, have to go to the counselor because they are they're on a plan for, you know, when they get overwhelmed in class, they want to either, um, you know, leave and go to the bathroom and, and you know, do whatever they do or um, they 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 overeat or they undereat. Um, some kids will try to skip lunch and be like, oh, I have to work in the classroom and um, I've seen a little bit of an incline in the last year or two, but I, I don't think that that's necessarily related to COVID. Okay. Dr. Meadows, you got any thoughts, I guess, kind of related to any of the education stuff from a medical perspective or anything? Well, I used to be a teacher. I taught three years at the university and four years in high school. So I, I know a little bit about what Abby's talking about. Uh, when it comes to teaching, she's a lot smarter about it than I ever was. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I, I guess I would go back to more about what Alex was talking about and uh, the suicide rate and those type of things. I think that once this is over with and once we have some kind of mm, possible control over all this, I think when we look back, we're going to see that the residual death rate from all the other things that are not really virus related is going to be a huge eye opener from people not going to get their prostate exams or breast exams or whatever, or having their hearts checked on or depression for all age groups and the suicides associated with that. The fact that we wear a mask around all the time that probably depresses our immune system. Your immune system works to fight things that you come in contact with every day. And that's how it strengthens itself. So when you put on a mask and you're not exposed to other people and you're not exposed to the things that you should be exposed to, it tends to depress your immune system. So you're gonna see things that probably haven't been a killer in a long time that may end up being a killer now, um, or at least a lot higher death rate associated with depressed immune systems and, and coming across um, things are going to be a little rougher on you possibly than they were before. Maybe even the influenza virus may be um, a little rougher on people just because their immune systems are a little bit more depressed. Well, um, I think Mike, that's going to be the biggest thing that you're going to see. I think that's going to be a major, major eye opener. And that doesn't even take into the businesses. And you had said 20% earlier, Ben, but I had heard as much as 35% weren't going to open again the financial difficulties that people have, how it ruined their lives with all the lockdown. 
I mean, I think the toll that this is going to take on people all over the world is going to be just a huge surprise on how bad it actually was for everybody. Mike, I, uh, um, that's a good transition into something I wanted to ask you about. Um, because I, re I distinctly remember in high school when Purell was becoming a big thing, the, the, the hand sanitizer was becoming a big thing. And, uh, I distinctly remember something coming out at one point in time that said Purell, if you use it too much would actually start to make you more sick because it was killing bacteria that you were exposed to. I remember that. that. Would act, that would actually strengthen your immune system. And I was standing, um, I travel a lot for work, and I was standing at a at an elevator seeing the Purell at the, the elevator, and the Purell was very forefront when you walked into the hotel. And I remember thinking, that's strange because I remember a time when people were saying that too much hand sanitizer was actually bad for you. And now it's encouraged to be used at the front door at the elevator. Yeah, using it all the time you know, now. All, all of the time. So it, it seems to somewhat contradict itself when you're saying we, and again, we need to be healthy and we need to kill bacteria and, and, you know, we do need to limit the spread of COVID, but at the same time, the implications that we're going to see beyond this, beyond the coronavirus, what is that going to play into our society to where we've basically put a bubble around everybody? We've basically created this like this safe zone for everyone. And when we get on the other side of this, people's immune systems aren't going to be set up to fight against just the normal thing like the flu or the common cold or you know anything just the basically. sniffles yeah no I, I agree with you i mean i think that's that's one of the biggest problems like ben was saying earlier he hardly ever gets sick the reason he hardly ever gets sick is because his body functions very well his immune system functions very well he comes in contact with other people they sneeze or something he you know he's exposed to it he might you know, feel a little crappy the next day, but then the day after that, he feels good. That's his immune system taking that and fighting it off and building whatever immunities would, that he just came in contact or something that you touch or, because you know, you've, you've, you've had days like that where you get up and go, man, I feel like crap today. I really don't want to go to work or I don't want to go to school or something like that. And then, but the next day or that night, you feel pretty good, good enough to go out and party. And so, uh, <laughs> so you never. I, never, I am a I've saint, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of your noses are growing right now. Uh, <laughs> especially with Wade, I've never looked at Wade and said, "You know what? I feel good. Let's go out and party." Alex and Wade have never stopped. What are you talking never about? Been. Right. Well, I know better, Wade. Wade, on that, I think that's a testament to. You know, my parents and how I grew up is for the most part, like, you know, when I grew up, I didn't have a gaming system until I shoot. I don't even know. I was probably in the tail end of elementary school. So for the longest time, I was outside in the dirt playing around and doing that kind of stuff. And my parents also made sure that we had uh, we had, you know, a very diverse um, diet. We ate all sorts of different things. Um, 
they really expanded our food horizons, uh, you know, intentionally to give us a little bit of culture about different places in the world, but also I think to help our immune system, um, through food. And then by making sure that we were outside, you know, being kids and doing stuff. I lived on a farm that had, you know, a hundred acres. I was out in the woods all the time. Who knows what the hell I came into contact with out there. Um, but yeah, I might've come home from messing around in the river and been like, eh, I feel kind of crappy, but I would just chalk it up to being out in the sun all day. And then the next day I woke up and yeah, I was, you know, I was fine. So, but yeah, but yeah, when I did get sick, I was definitely like down and out for a while. Well, it didn't, you know, I've seen it more than ever this year because of this. I, I have kids that are gone like for two days or whatever, because they think that they have COVID and they're just sick, you know, but I have seen an uprise in people just having the sniffles. I've gotten sick more than I ever have this year. And I, I really think it's because I'm wearing a mask every day and I'm not coming in contact with those things. And I'm not getting that herd immunity that I need for all the other things. And I mean, even my mom, like she's a teacher and has been for gosh, what, 30 years. And she never gets sick, never. And this year alone, she's had to stay home four different times. That That's just bizarre to me. And these kids like, they're not getting COVID, so I'll give you that much. I don't know if it's a testament to us sanitizing and all that, but they're staying home with the sniffles. And I mean, it's like every other day there's another kid gone, but they don't have COVID. They're just, they just don't feel good. And I, maybe it's just, you know, also because last year they wouldn't have stayed home if they didn't feel good. So I didn't notice and they just weren't telling us they weren't feeling good. But I, this year I have seen a lot of people out with just the sniffles or, or a stomach flu or something that, usually wouldn't really bother us that much yeah i think that's the same for me because this right around this time last year i got hit with i don't know maybe it was the cold or something and i was like congested and stuff but i have not been able to kick it for a full year uh when normally i get hit with it and i'd be fine but i had this mess hanging around for forever and i think the mask like you were talking about dr Mitter, i think the mask and everything is is playing a big part in in our ability to to fight things off ourselves yeah, I, I have a question mm -hmm. for that, for you too, Mr. Matters with that, or Dr. Matters. I, so you to calling you Mike. Just call me Mike. <laughs> but, uh, I know you're Mike. You're not <laughs> you're Mike. Um, but I actually did have COVID um, back in October um, and I didn't get any time off. I had uh, a week that I was able to stay home for, to do virtual. Um, I had to still show up on virtual to my students who had a sub in the classroom. Very strange. Um, but I, I didn't, I never had a time to recoup cause I had to get right back out there. You know, we're considered essential now. Um, uh, but I had to wear that mask for ever since then, since October. Um, and it took me a very long time to kick that cough. And I'm wondering if, you know, that goes into, if your body is trying to fight something and you're covering your face and you're you know suppressing it more, does that, does that go into that as well? You know, you're, you're coughing back into your own mask and then inhaling it again? That's the part that it is. You're, you're coughing into that mask. You're basically breathing back what you just put out. And that's probably about the, the best way to go <laughs> is to get rid of it. I think I had it last yeah. year also. I'm not sure. I had about five days of the cough and fever. And stuff. I never went. I haven't, haven't been tested yet uh, at all. And I've come in contact with it a couple Lots of fun. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, call, you know, after about four or five days of it, your, your throat feels like you've been swallowing glass. And uh, so I finally got over it. And then Norma just had it um, 
I guess it's been a couple of weeks, two or three weeks now, and I took care of her. And so I had to quarantine. I was in the house for 17 days with her, um, coming in contact with her. And she had a, a pretty severe case of it, but she, she did good. She still hasn't gotten her, her sense of smell or her taste back. Um, she still has a little bit of a cough, but the cough can hang around for 30 days or so, or maybe longer, depending on how good your immune system is. And I don't know if you guys remember her, but she's a, she's a big exercise person. She's like, you know, seven oh, yeah. years old and she's in great shape, yeah. better shape than, than a lot of 30 year olds. I'm not talking about better shape than me, <laughs> better shape than you, Alex, you fat fuck. <laughs> I mean, she's in really good shape and I think that that helped her, but even then she had a pretty severe case of it. So I, I think your immune system, you know, has to have the ability to fight it off. One of the things I've told people is when they say, well, what's the best thing I could do? I say, get as, get as healthy and as in shape and drink as much water and eat as well as you can. That's how you help your immune system, boost, boost your immune system and fight off something that's coming after you when, it, when you're talking about viruses or even a bacterial infection or even your allergies and things. Yep. So a lot, of the, a lot of the sniffles you're seeing is probably people's reaction to uh, allergens and things like that, that normally that they probably be. didn't bother them as much, but now their immune system's a little depressed and it doesn't right. kick in as fast as it needs to. And so yeah. that has a lot to do with, you know, the, the sniffles and this yeah, and yeah. that see a lot of i think i feel like that stuff gets trapped in the mask too you know yeah you get dust and allergens trapped in there that just makes it worse and even like dog hair you know my dog doesn't even shed but i still find like little pieces of dog hair that i swear i'm swallowing all day and then it bothers my throat and i'm like am i sick or am i just inhaling dog hair all day Well, and it's, it's crazy that you don't see any sort of guidance from these officials that tell you now apparently you have to wear a double mask, according to Fauci, you know, one mask isn't enough. You have to wear two masks, which. Oh, that'll get the Karens real riled up. I'm all about about wearing a mask and being neighborly, you know, that's fine with me, but two masks seems a little bit excessive, excessive. I wear Um, a neck gaiter so I can freaking like, obviously a mask isn't going to like, I'm not going to be not able to breathe through it, but I mean, a neck gaiter is a little bit more comfortable and everybody feels secure. So it's, it's crazy that you still see no public directive on things like, uh, taking vitamin D or fish oil or, you know, vitamin C or any of these things that will boost your immune system to where if you do come into contact with a virus that will help you fight it off, it, it's solely all about wear your mask, double mask, purell your hands when you walk into the hotel. Like, okay, well, let's focus on, okay, if we do get it, what can we do to fight our chances of having yeah. a fatality from it? it's all just what can we do to make sure we don't get it, which actually has the inverse effect of making our immune systems more susceptible or less susceptible to fight off another common virus that we may see. Well, just to piggyback real quick off of that, when I had COVID and I got the call back saying, Hey, you have COVID. I was like, what do I do? And they were like, nothing. 
you just stay home. And I was like, well, is there like a medicine or, you know, what, what? and they did, they didn't even know. They were like, well, no, you can just stay home and, you know, get rest and, and drink water. And I was like, that's how, like, how is this? This is the doctor's office calling me, telling me this. And so when I called the, I had to call the CDC because of, you know, trying to tell the, the school that I had it and I go, you go through this whole process. So I'm calling them and, and telling them and they're like, okay, thanks for letting us know. And I'm like, is anybody going to tell me what to do? So like, can I have I, some I help? My mom, like, like, mom, what do I do? I don't nah, like, bro, do They I, were like, like, you're on your own chief. And I was like, there's not, no one says anything what to do. Which but, is strange knowing that there are some, you know, like uh, Mike has said, they had, you know, medicine available and you know you you would think that big pharma would jump all over them and be like take this this and this and give us all of your money but not even no, not even they, big they pharma. only do that for the really really sick people that have to be like like the like what uh dr matters was saying like people that have diabetes or or you know pre pre-existing issues um but someone who's like me who's a healthy young individual they were just like good luck well, and there's there's so many things that you can go to your local pharmacy or just local store, just grocery store, and pick up over the counter zinc, vitamin D, fish vitamin oil. C. I mean, there, mm-hmm. yeah, vitamin C. There are so many things that you can do to help your chances and aid you getting over it, but you don't hear anything about that. Right. There, you know. There's no mention of that from anyone it's either don't get it or if you get it you might die yeah my, yeah, my mom yeah. when i went home for christmas was like shoving vitamin d and other pills down my throat i was there for four days and she was like take all of these and then buy some when you get home sorry mom i haven't bought any um but yeah she was like i was she was like home she was like here take this and i was like what the hell what is this she's like it's vitamin d a you're jaundiced and b you know it helps and i was like okay fine like there you go so she was like shoving vitamin d down my throat and they're they're vegan now too so that's all i ate while i was there was just like vegan food oh vegan they're not being australian they're not they're not like that one super annoying lady on tiktok that vegan teacher um but you know they're 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 chilling but um yeah, my mom was like just throwing vitamin D down my throat, like morning and night. She was like, "Here, you just woke up, ten o'clock in the morning, pff, vitamin D." Before she went to bed, pff, more vitamin D. I was like, "Chill, woman, I'm fine," but nah. She- vitamin D, zinc, and and uh, vitamin C, like Alex said, lots of water. I mean, you should probably be taking that all the time anyway. And for yeah. those of you who don't like to take it, there are gummies for vitamin D. Then. If you still have to have the gummy kind of thing. Hey, um, I, I love gummies, uh, but I'll take pills if I have to. All right. But if I can get it in gummy form, it's a good day. Vitamin D. is a good texture thing. I'd ben, rather do the pills. Ben, Ben, come take your gummies. You yeah, I, catch gummies. me pitter pattering with little tiny feet into the kitchen. <laughs> like, oh, snap. It's Flintstone gummies time. Yes! <laughs> this is like dessert. Exactly. It's like, I'll eat the whole bottle, man. It's like fruit snacks. Eat some with your cookies, Ben. Be... <laughs> Chill. I don't know about the two mask things, and, and like, I don't want to be hard on Fauci again, but that seems a little strange. I mean, I guess that's it, it makes perfect sense if, if one mask does a little bit, two masks should do more, and five or six or nine or ten should be better. <laughs> I don't know how that, how that works. I guess nothing gets through there. You know, it's like 
Well, since there's kids on there, I won't say anything. About I was just about to say, no. Earmuffs, children. Earmuffs. Put it on mute. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to beat him up anymore. But at the same time, those guys are, that's a hard job. They're trying to figure this out as we go and they've never seen this right and that's one thing that i was getting on to everybody for because they were like do we wear masks what science doesn't work and i was like y'all don't remember your middle school science class when they told you how the scientific method works do you y'all y'all kind of just data dumped that one and forgot like this is a process well and we had a an administration that was um focused on beating the invisible enemy (laughs) And, uh, you know, basically saying that uh, one day it's going to go away. You know, I say what you want about Trump, but he he handled the coronavirus pretty imporally with what he said to the public. You know, behind the scenes, you can say what you want, but because, you know, be on the stage and be like, maybe we'll just uh, UV light everyone's in. Intestines, you know, like, <laughs> like well, uh, You'll be good. Uh, yeah, on national TV. Uh, maybe let's not say we'll we're gonna set up UV, UV light, light stations. I want the entire public to walk through the <laughs> UV light maybe stations. Let's not, maybe let's not say drink bleach, you know, <laughs> let's not, no, let's that's not a good say idea. that. No, <laughs> please don't, please do not drink bleach. We, we have a doctor disclaimer, on staff who will, who will verify that that's a bad idea. Bad, uh, <laughs> he, he was, uh, you know, he his policies, the things that he did were, uh, I, I liked the majority of them, but if he would have stayed off of Twitter and mm-hmm. had a little bit of a filter about what he would had said, he would still be the president. I feel yeah, like no his speechwriters yeah. were just behind this the Shot curtain. In the foot. Yeah, they just, just pulling their hair out. He he probably started good on it and then went off script and they would just sit back there going, yeah. no, 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 no. I mean, the, guy, the guy is who he is. He's yeah. going to be exactly no matter what. And, that, and that's what most people liked about him. And he wasn't afraid to take on somebody. And if you threw a, a punch at him, he was going to punch back. So yeah. and that's not usually what you see from politicians. So it was a, a different type of person there. And so his, his policies compared to the guy that's, you know, there now are completely different. And uh, it's just, it's going to be a huge difference in what we're going to see over the next four years versus the last four years. You know? Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to spend a whole lot of money on climate change, which is the biggest scam on humanity in the world. <laughs> The climate's definitely changing, but I don't think it has anything to do with farting cows and driving cars. Probably has more to do with, with orbiting around the sun and the Milankovitch cycles, the way the Earth spins and tilts and all that kind of stuff. Probably has more to do with that. I mean, the moon controls the tides. We right. can't do anything about that. So if you think you about climate change, I mean, how arrogant does a species have to be to think it can control the climate? Of a have you met humanity? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's probably why the aliens are just like, you know well, what? They're they're they'll take care of themselves. They're you don't need to worry about them. They're just sitting back waiting to take over. Yeah. Yep. Um, Elon Musk uh, wants to just drop some nuclear um, warfare on the poles of Mars to heat it up, which I think is a great idea. Sure. And so 
you say that, but there, there was a time and they, they thought that the earth was cooling and that was actually suggested on this planet dropping nukes on the poles. So you go back oh. and look in the 80s and do a little research, you'll see that that was an idea. I feel like everybody was just... It was global cooling. I feel like everybody was just high <laughs> out of their minds from like 60 to 89. Yeah, and... absolutely. <laughs> and they were just, you know what? N- nukes. Nuke the caps. <laughs> Works every time. Violet. A lot of LSD. Too a lot much. of LSD. It was coming back to haunt them when they got 35 and 40 and 50, I think. I don't know. Right. <laughs> that was actually suggested, and everybody's scratching their head going, really? That sounds like a good idea to you guys. <laughs> One scientist just <laughs> tweaking off PSP, so. PCP in the back, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Drop the nukes, man. Drop do it, do nukes. it. I want to see It'll Carnage. I'm here for chaos. Um, <laughs> um mm-mm. So okay, we're we're running up on about an hour and twenty here. Uh, anybody in the chat have any extra or more questions, education related, medical related, for our two guests? Uh, I'll give you guys a few seconds to respond. I know there's a little bit of a delay. The uh, the per- precipitation or participation. In the chat has been nice to see. It's yeah, it's been, been a lot really of good, good questions. Um, Abby, Tristan wants to know what percentage of kids seem to be struggling since COVID hit. And I don't know, you got a, a very small slice of the pie to look at. Uh, well, yeah, I can only speak from what I've seen and, um, you know, in my classroom and, and other classrooms and then what I've heard from other schools and all of that. Um, and I'm going to say that is 100%. Um, I'm going to say every single student right now is struggling one way or another, whether it's, uh, you know, educational wise or emotional wise. Um, there's not one student out there who is having a good day every single day with COVID. And that goes for, uh, teachers as well. And just the schools in general, um, every day is a challenge. And right now we're just doing our best to get through. We're just, we're just trying to get through and survive. Yeah, we got another one. Uh, when do you think schools will able will be able to fully get back to normal operations? And that can go for both you and um, Mike. Um, I can say that uh, we have been told, um, we don't know a lot yet, but we do know that next year there are moves to make um, a, an entire, a new school if, for all virtual um there's been some changes within our district recently that have indicated that we will see maybe some more virtual students next year still um but i i think it's too far ahead yet to say anything about all schools so that'd probably be something for mr metters dr metters mike (laughs) figure it out Probably you'll be able to open the schools 100 percent when all the states have republican governors uh, would be <laughs> so never that's, that's probably that's probably more political than anybody wants to hear but and i mean i mean you look at it arkansas is open iowa's open florida's open texas is open and so um but like i said the virus is not going anywhere it's going to be here and we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna be dealing with it for a long time so that that's actually my biggest concern is are we going to be wearing masks or five years or we'll be a social distance for five years or the kids are going to be out of school for five years or business is going to be uh, still getting locked down for five years. That's a, 
that that's it, because it, it, it's not really up to the medical community. It's up to politicians and they they tend to make decisions based on how on their appearance to the public more than what's probably the best way to handle things it seems like um and and you know that maybe that's just my opinion and my view of it but i think there's a lot of people that will probably agree with that um uh one one is right here yeah <laughs> one, one is right here i just you know I, so it's, it's really hard to say it's really hard to say we have another question. Uh, what are your thoughts on the vaccine itself and, uh, sh or IE should everyone get it? I think that's probably <laughs> somebody, I mean, most people, he takes have a deep their, breath. <laughs> people have to make up their mind about that because I think that a lot of people are not sure about it, you know? Um, so that, that's, that's kind of a hard one. That's right. I know there's a lot of people that are very, you know, wary of it because it came out so fast, you know, yeah. time frame wise. Um, and I think the, the, there's a reason it did is because it was a very prevalent thing and a lot of funding got thrown at it very quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the right. reason it came out so fast. Most vaccines don't come out this fast because it takes a hot minute for funding to come through for research and development. But this one was such a big public health crisis that they just dumped whatever money they just wrote them a blank check Billion. and said here you go figure it out get this vaccine out so i don't well, think the speed of it is something to be super wary of um but that's you know the the best explanation that i've got and i've seen as to why it came out so fast and and here may be a an unpopular opinion and i apologize in advance for anyone that may disagree with this but um I do not see a need for me myself to get the vaccine because say tomorrow, Alex, you're getting coronavirus tomorrow. Um, I am not going to be adversely affect enough to justify me feeling like shit for two days to get a vaccine to counteract that. If I get it, I'm going to be fine. Now, do I want my grandmother to get the vaccine? Absolutely. Do I want people who have pre-existing conditions that could, if they got the coronavirus, um, could really significantly impact them to the point of death? Yes, I want them to get the vaccine as well. But do I feel like I am going to be at the risk of death should I get the virus? No. So therefore, it's the same reason why I don't get the flu shot. It, I don't want to enter the flu or coronavirus into my body to try to counteract it when I get it later to make it easier. Right. It, it might suck for a couple of days, but I'm not going to die from the flu. I'm not going to die from coronavirus. I might feel like shit for a couple of days and that's fine. But if I get the vaccine, I'm going to feel like shit for a couple of days anyway. So why would I enter into that situation where I'm a hundred percent going to feel like shit than just writing it out and taking a chance and probably not going to get it. Or if I do get it, I'll be fine. Right. And that's been my you know, like mindset with the flu and everything for the soul, which is why I never got the flu vaccine for the longest time. I would never go in and get it. Cause I was like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to feel like crap for a couple of days. 
My body's going to figure it out. If it comes back around, I'm not going to, I'll be all right. So, uh, and, and Alex, thanks. your, I'm sorry, Alex, your, your fatality rate on it is 0.033%. So exactly. You know, three one hundredths of a percent is your fatality rate at 31. Uh, again, let me tell you guys that after age 20 or actually after age 24, it's double for males versus females. So a female that's 31, hers would be, you know, 0.015 compared to yours. Yours is actually twice as high as hers. <laughs> Just, you know, as a side note. That's that's because we're stupid, but. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a male thing, you know. We already talked about how much smarter and stronger than they are than us. So right. we can exactly. let that go if you want well, to. I don't beat that in yeah. yeah. <laughs> And speaking of, you know, our opinions here and, you know, being a woman and being in a, a, a field of work where we're considered essential, uh, I, I kind of go with what Alex is saying. Um, a lot of my opinions lie with, well, first of all, I already had it. So with, with my, I'm like, I survived it. I will probably, I will be okay. Again, I don't want my grandma to have it. Like Alex said, you know, uh, but I, as a teacher, we do, we feel, and I'm speaking for all of the teachers I've talked to about this, we feel a lot of pressure to, to get it uh, because, you know, they were, were in control of a lot of different lives, um, students' lives, parents' lives, uh, you know, grandparents' lives. If I get it and then I give it to a student and then they take it home and they give it to somebody, um, that, that's a lot of pressure to have on, uh, on a worker, you know. So, uh, but I in my personal opinion and um thank god it wasn't mandatory at my school uh, i'm i'm not going to get it be, right now because of what we talked about there's a lot out there that we don't exactly know and i know the funding definitely sped that up but um in my specific circumstance i've already had it i've been fine with you know I, i'm I, i'm still dealing with a little bit of the, the weird smelling and tasting thing but um i don't see the point in getting it right now for myself because of all of that and um, luckily we don't have to get it right now. <laughs> right. We got another question. Uh, this one's for, for Mike. Uh, they want to know when does, when do you think that the students will be, will be able to get the vaccine? I know the rollout right now is, you know, frontline workers, then the elderly and people with pre-existing conditions, and then it'll go, you know, from there into the, uh, you know, adult population. I, I, that's hard to say. I mean, they, it hasn't rolled out. It, the first rounds rolled out pretty fast, but then the, there was kind of a lag time. And, and since there's, you have to get two, that creates a problem also because you have to get the second one within a certain amount of time of the first one or you, the first one was wasted. And so, or it does whatever it would do without the second one. But the truth is, is they got to be, you know, pretty close together. I think it's like 14 days or something like that. Um, but I would say the the lower age group kids, like you know, elementary to the middle school kids, they should probably be the last group. The frontline people, the medical the medical workers, the teachers, the elderly people with pre-existing conditions, they should all have them standing in line to get it as soon as possible. And the younger kids should be the last ones to get it. Now, if the concern is you don't want them to take it home to their grandparents, well, you're not letting them see their grandparents right now anyway. Right. You can't go, can't go to exactly. Thanksgiving, can't go to Christmas, can't go anywhere. You know, so I don't think that that's, that's a problem. But I would say 
uh, it'll probably be the end of the year before you see, you know, the kids get it if that's the way they did it. But I would say, you know, I would probably even say, you know, that that at the earliest, honestly. At the earliest, yeah, that's yeah. probably true. Yeah. yeah. Caden um, uh, wants to know what percentage of kids' grades drop if they get quarantined. I don't even know if you can even talk about that. Hmm. Um, yeah, I can 100%. talk about that. Yeah. All of them. They all um, lose motivation. Yeah. They don't care. Next question. Yeah. We kind of <laughs> talked about that a little bit. Well, and actually, to kind of speak on that a little bit without going too much into the you know the actual grades, uh, the students that are getting quarantined, that's a, an individual uh, decision to do work while you're at home. So if they're sick, we aren't pushing it too hard on them to get their work done. But all of the students that I've had quarantined are not sick. They're just staying home because they've been exposed. So that's all on the students. So shout out to the kids that are actually doing their work when they're quarantined. And if you're not doing your quarantine work, that falls on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and somebody else mentioned that, uh, you know, they think that a ton of places are going to require you to get it. For example, concerts, events, traveling abroad, things of that nature. Um, I will probably agree with that as far as traveling abroad, uh, because most of the time when you go to other countries, not like Europe or something, like if you go to Africa or even some of the islands, you do have to get a round of vaccinations before you go because there's diseases and viruses there that we're not exposed to in first world uh, countries. So I think if you're going to be traveling abroad, then yes, they will probably require you to get a vaccination before you leave. Having said that, it's you're, if you're of like our age group, you're probably gonna have to put your travel plans on hold until it's your time to get a vaccination. Um, well, and that's the that's the dangerous area where you start to creep into to where you are relying on the government to be able to say, okay, do you have your card that right. says that you've gotten your vaccination so you can do X, Y, and Z? That's what I was Which, gonna get into, you know, with the concerts yeah, and events, because like at, at that point, I don't think I don't think you know. You get into dangerous, murky waters when places start requiring you to have a vaccination in order to live your life. So, yeah. well, where it makes even less sense to do that is if the antibodies only last for ninety days. Right. If they find out that's indeed the way it is, and you can get it multiple times, the antibodies only last for ninety days. You're gonna get a vaccination every ninety days, so you can fly or so you can go to a concert. Uh, that's the most ridiculous thing I've heard so far. I yeah, mean, well, and then you end up creating a black market for vaccination cards. <laughs> like it's inevitably going to happen. Somebody's going to—it's like fake ID. Somebody's going to be making fake fake vaccination cards so people can go live their lives. A, a new growing enterprise, right there. Small business yeah. venture number three. Uh, uh, ben, send me a text about that black market vaccination card. Uh, well, we'll and what see it if should we look can... like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Honestly, uh, for the first time since all of this has started happening, I've gone into a few homes where I'm in sales and people have their vaccination cards sitting on the table almost as if to, and I appreciate it, you know, to make me feel assured that they are vaccinated and that they can't give it to me or whatever. But you enter into the treacherous uh murky waters like you said earlier ben where there there are parents who are anti-vaxxers right and they don't want their kids to get vaccinations to go to school which 
is within their right. You know, you can be stupid. It's fine. Right, yeah, whatever. You can agree or disagree, but that's their right. They can still choose to go that route and still have their children to go to school. But if you say now you cannot do X, Y, and Z unless you have this official document, which there's only one way to get it, and that's to go through the government and get your little piece of paper, you're entering a, a somewhat draconian type system that is, that makes me nervous. It makes yeah. me nervous. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about that, you know, before, um, you know, and not, you know, through a lot of different things, but like a lot of this stuff is just, it keeps, you know, whatever, everything, every time we mention something that keeps coming to my mind is that 1984 by George Orwell. There's a lot of similarities exactly. that keep popping up and I'm like, please, let's not go that route. We talk about it every podcast. Almost at but almost every podcast, yeah, every podcast and the chat is get, tired of hearing get, at it. We get closer and closer to where it's it just like, more well, and more similarities yeah. pop up and if I just don't want to see it get to the point where we all tune our TVs to whatever the only channel on TV at six o'clock every day and listen to <laughs> the dictator be or the, the, the ministry of whatever um, tell us you know, how to live our lives and, and, and whatnot. I'm yeah. piecing out if that's the case. I'm I'm gonna be like, I'm living off the grid where they can't find me. <laughs> By the time you realize that that's what's happening, it's gonna be too late and nobody's going anywhere. <laughs> there, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> that's that's nice, Ben. I'm just saying that's how it happens. It's a slow crawl, and people are like, "Oh, it's concession here, concession here, concession right. here," and then by the time you get there, you're like, "Ah, shit! Now we're in it." And the only way out of it well, is to fight your way out. If it happens to where like I'm gonna lose my job if I don't take the vaccine, then then I'll probably head out. <laughs> okay. I'll start there and then just. <laughs> I don't think they should force people to take the vaccine. And again, if the antibodies only last ninety days, what difference is the take? point? So so it's kind of like what's the point now? If they come up with something that says okay, you're gonna get mm-hmm. you're gonna have antibodies for seven years or the rest of your life or something like that. Mm, okay, you know that's and. and and if this is an interim yeah. vaccine until they can get to something like that, okay, well, it'll probably serve its purpose. But I don't know that you could, you know, sit there and say, hey, everybody's got to take this. It's it's the law. You have to take it. Right. And antibodies are going to last for 90 days. And after that, good luck. We'll all be back to square one after the yeah. 90 days is over. You know, if you, if you had, like when Norma had it, uh, they told her you can't get the vaccine for 90 days. You have to wait because you have antibodies. And, and so, um, I, you know, when after I took care of her, I didn't go get tested. And she kept saying, you should go get tested to find out if you were ever positive or if you're positive. Or, and I go give blood uh, pretty much every eight weeks. And they've been calling like crazy lately uh, for me mm-hmm. to give blood. And if Vampires. I go, they'll, they'll <laughs> well, they make money off of it. So, uh, <laughs> no, they do. It's, that's just, it's an industry. What can you say? But, but I'm okay with it because somebody's getting it, you know, and so it's, if they need it and, of course, when you're O positive, they're same they call, yeah. you, call you all the time. And uh, so I go give it and everything. And I know that they will test it. And if it has mm-hmm. the antibodies in there, they, it'll be on the website. I can go in there and look at it and see if it's uh, I can go see who where what kind of person got my blood. They do that. and They'll tell you if it's got antibodies, and yada, 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 all this stuff because they tested. But um, I haven't been lately because uh, I just was in quarantine for 17 days so i didn't think they really, <laughs> yeah. they really wanted it right now so i think you gotta wait uh 
I don't know, three or four weeks before you go give it after you've been quarantined like that. Yeah. Um, Combo, we kind of talked about that earlier on in the podcast. So when this gets on YouTube, watch like the first half of the podcast and you'll get an answer to that to that question. I don't want to have us repeat ourselves well, too much. We can we didn't necessarily completely talk. The question was what does the doctor think of the chances of the virus being present present in Wuhan before it was reported on December 31st, 2019? Was it present? Oh yeah, it was like all over the place over there although they've had way less deaths than than we've had here obviously. Um, and I think it was because they I mean, the Chinese Communist Party can contain it pretty quickly. All you need is a bunch of guys with guns, and you can contain it. Um, yeah. And that's not beyond their capabilities. They've shown that before. Not that I'm saying that that's what they did, but nevertheless, they have that ability with that type of government. Um, but, uh, I mean, of course it was there. It was had to be there. And, it, and there's no telling how long ahead of time it was there. I mean, the first two cases that the UK saw was January 31st, and then we started, I mean, we had cases here, but there's, they, now they think that there's cases that had gone back to maybe November and October here, but they just didn't know what it was. They hadn't recognized it. Right. And that may be the case for a lot of places all over the world that they saw it and they go, wow, this mm-hmm. is a really nasty case of the flu. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yeah. You know, we talked about that before because, you know, there was a lot of people that were like, oh, I probably had it back in like November because there was a rash of people in November and stuff getting sick. Um, and they were just like, this is either a really bad case of pneumonia or just a weird version of the flu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, back in last last year of December, um, I was sick for three months and I went to the doctor copious amounts of times and every time they said, we don't know what it is. And I got chest x-rays and they said, you have this fluid in your lungs. We don't know what it is. It's not this. It's not that. They just never knew what it was. Yeah, I think that probably happened a lot. The other thing that was interesting when I started looking at the stats and everything is that uh, the U.S. had, had uh, I think I said it was 28 million um, the next closest is India with about 10 million. And it made me wonder because we've heard these stories before about people who were diagnosed with COVID. You know, they wrecked their motorcycle and killed themselves, but they had COVID. So they got reported as a COVID. Yeah, so that that's they could super sus. $36,000 or whatever yeah. it is the hospitals are getting. So it's kind of interesting that we're at, you know, 28 million and the next one is next highest country is at 10 billion. Yeah. It's weird. Cause they did that with like, and, the people in the hospital that, you know, had been in there before and hadn't been exposed to COVID. And then maybe a family member visited them and they had cancer or something. And then they died and the hospitals like COVID. And it's like, well, no, dad had cancer, you know, stage four colon cancer for forever. That's how he died. And they're like, COVID. Well, and, and, don't forget that when COVID started becoming a thing back in April and May, um, people were, you know, taking pictures of the back of Lysol cans that said can kill COVID <laughs> disease. And people were like, this is a conspiracy theory. COVID's been around since before it ever got leaked to the press. The COVID has been around for a long time. This is just the latest strain. Yeah, yeah that's why it's, you know, this is a COVID virus. The flu virus it, is it, <laughs> Exactly. This is just the latest thing that we've seen, which curiously looks like it could have come from a lab in Wuhan, but we've already talked about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this isn't this isn't like a new ground breaking virus. So to answer that question, 
what are the chances of the virus being present in Wuhan before December 31st? The answer to that question is 100%. They were testing... They were testing that virus in that lab that had been cited for improper procedures in containing that virus. That's all 100% fact. It's all 100% traceable. Yeah, there's, that's a, there's there's no disagreement there. That's right. That's a virology lab. That's what they do. Yeah, they exactly. sit there. They find new viruses. They run tests on them. They just had really shitty procedure and how they dealt with it. And whoops. And yeah, that's and about all they said. probably leaked from that. And it probably didn't come from bats. Yeah, but I'm just. Anyway. Yeah, it didn't come from some dude eating a bat in a wet market. <laughs> no. No, Ben. The the who just said that's it was probably. Look, the who is funded by the communists. I'm not listening to anything they say. <laughs> well, and you have to remember that, and I don't know if you know anything about the WHO, but the the doctor who's in charge of the WHO is got the top spot. Uh, has been a friend of China for a long time. He's an Ethiopian. He's been a friend of China for a long time. Conveniently. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, <laughs> he, he's gonna, he, they're going to come up with everything they can not to put it on China. And so, right. and, and I don't, you know, don't want to be conspiracy theor- theorist about that particular thing, but it's just, that's just human nature. I mean, people forget about, I mean, even when they are talking about their politicians, it's human nature for, for somebody's son to go someplace else where he can make million dollar, millions of dollars off his dad's name or his mom's name or anybody else's name and, and go do it. It's an easy job. Somebody gives you money and, yeah, I mean. And you give them empty promises. and Or nothing. <laughs> or you just sit in a chair and, you know, twiddle your thumbs, but you get 50 grand a month. That's, that's just human nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yep. not right and it's immoral and it's corrupt, but easy money is easy money. I mean, exactly. We already, we already know that Alex, if you give him a chance, will sit on his ass all day and not do anything. He already said that. <laughs> I'm I'm up. If someone out there wants to write me a check to just sit on my ass all day and play video games, oh, send no. me an email. People do send that now, right? That's that's Twitch streaming, bro. People get that paid millions of dollars to do that. Hashtag the grind. Sign me. <laughs> but. Yeah. I'm not doubting you, dude. I mean, I'm just <laughs> exposed. I'm good with it. Uh, I love you, dude. I can do whatever you want. Yeah. Wade, Wade and I will go into business together with it, so that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. And make a million. Probably, yeah, and then your son. son will be rich. Yeah, exactly. Watch a couple of goofballs not do anything. Here's 50K. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, if Chad, if you guys don't have anything else for us, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna keep these our two guests much longer. Um, but yeah, it was another 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 great episode. A um, little bit, of, I guess, housekeeping right at the end. We're at 41 followers now on Twitch. Uh, so tell your friends and family because we only need nine more, and we can start monetizing a little bit. Um, so tell people. That's not the reason why I'm telling you to tell people, though. You guys already know we beat that horse every week um, because, you know, we do enjoy doing this and we like, you know, getting our takes on things out there. And, and, and um, you know, we try and figure out what the truth is. And we're, and we're not in it to make money. But if we did make money, that'd be fine. That'd be cool. That'd be completely fine. <laughs> um, uh, other than that, I will have uh, last week's episode and this week's episode up on YouTube here in the coming days. Um, I'm th- I think I do have to go to Texas at the end of the week 
but that shouldn't mess with anything. I'll probably just like bring a laptop or something and be able to do a, do an episode. If anything changes, you guys can check Twitter and stuff uh, for that. But other than that, thank you, Abby and Dr. Mike Metters for coming on and chatting with us for an hour and 45. And we really appreciate it. And um, chat, thank you guys for being here and being active. And uh, we will see y'all next time unless you know you two have any more closing thoughts i don't i just hey i appreciate you letting me hang out with, with you i had had fun it was an interesting conversation good yeah no, thanks this hour 45 of my life <laughs> yeah. thank you guys so much for being here we we really do appreciate it more than you guys know yeah um, it's it was a blast i had a great time me too yeah, yeah take care sure. All right, it's we'll good see. to see you miss abby you're as beautiful yeah, as Yeah, I'm good to see you, too. I haven't yeah. seen you since the wedding, so it's good to see you. Uh, uh, no. What the hell, Mike? What about me? <laughs> You're, You're ugly, son. Too, son. It's always good to see you. <laughs> it's always good to see you as well. <laughs> all right, y'all. We'll check y'all. We'll see y'all next time. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. I love you guys. You too. Bye.